Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, there's just a ton of things to go over here, an absolute ton. I'm going to do my best to not drag on too much, but uh, a lot to cover here. It certainly feels like things are continuing to amp up, and it seems like the ends of every week are just loaded with endless stories. And uh, again, just trying to connect the dots here and make sense of all of it the best that I can. I just wanted to thank everybody again for listening. So uh, let me dive in here. Um, very quickly, I wrote one more Substack article just the other day. And uh, this one is, is, is big, I think, and it certainly matters. It's titled Wasteful Spending in American K-12 Schools, How Passing Ta Tax Levies Hides the Money while not passing tax levies exposes it all. Um, I, you've heard me mention, of course, the local issues here where, where I live, and it's not unique to just this particular area. There were endless school districts that were trying to pass school levies and tax the citizens and property owners of areas in order to receive more money because they're looking at their numbers nationwide, and they're saying, well, our costs are going up, but we're not bringing in any more money. And of course, they're not bringing in any more money because the state is running out of it because students aren't going to public school much anymore, which is good. This is all a good thing. More of them are homeschooling. More of them are finding, of course, other, other ways of educating themselves as they should. What's interesting, and it's basically a state law kind of thing, and I'm sure it's like this lots of places, not to mention open records requests can obtain this kind of information too. but. If a tax levy goes through and people actually vote to have more money stolen from them and provided to their local school district, which I don't even know why they do that, but whatever, um, what ends up happening is, is they end up burying their financial numbers and then they don't have to show them to the public. What not passing a school levy does is it forces the school districts to, of course, make cuts and propose cuts. And in doing that, they have to show people what they're spending money on. Now, where I live, they've released these documents of the amount of money that they are spending on useless positions and useless programs like STEM programs and wellness coordinators and all of the money that they're paying these school psychologists and social workers and you name it. In the article, I highlight two documents that come directly from the school district where I live and the amount of money that they are wasting, and it is upwards of $7.4 million. Now, they're not looking to make $7.4 million in cuts. They're actually just looking to cut maybe $70,000 to $80,000, or at least cut particular proposals over the course of a three-year plan. The reason I wrote the Substack article was because, of course, this information is public record, number one. And number two, this, this particular school district is not unique in that regard. This is happening everywhere. The amount of money that they are wasting, in particular over the last two years, is jaw-dropping. And they were spending like drunken sailors when the government just opened up their wallets to these school districts and started throwing money at the school districts. The other thing that's worth keeping in mind too, 
is that these school districts had to create positions that did not previously exist as a result of receiving that all those care acts funds and all that ESSER money. They either again had to make particular improvements to their building or they had to create new positions out of thin air and then of course hire the degenerate individuals to fill those positions. And they did that all over the nation. These pop-up programs would exist. Again, drag queen story time, ladies and gentlemen. That wasn't a thing, really, back before 2020, was it? But as soon as 2020 rolled out and all that government money showed up, you saw what school districts were paying for, and they were paying for drag queens to show up, and that's just one small example. There are endless programs like that. The satanic clubs, uh, you know, pick, pick one. It, it almost doesn't even matter. But they were also, of course, creating particular classes and then hiring particular people to teach those particular classes, most of which really had very little to do with any academic rigor or academic success or actually learning the truth about anything. Just a complete waste. So bounce over to the American Classroom Substack, my Substack, if you're interested in checking out that article. Share that where you can. And again, it's a perfect snapshot of the of the amount of money and the specific positions for which American K-12 school districts waste their money and time on and then try to convince the taxpayers in the area that they need to continue to support such programs. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. So they're, they're robbing people, is my point. And they're going to keep robbing people, and they become very mean and vindictive when, they're, when their tax levies don't pass, because they actually think that somehow the, the, the people in the area are going to suffer in some way as a result of making cuts to a district, what they don't understand is, is that by showing people their wasteful spending, they're exposing themselves. I mean, that's how stupid these people are who run these school districts. They're that dumb. They're so dumb that they, <laughs> that they actually think that they're hurting people or going to hurt people by eliminating particular positions. The only people they're hurting are the brainwashed who actually think those positions need to exist. Most normal thinking human beings, they know that they don't need those particular positions. Elementary schools don't need endless school resource officers. You don't need copious amounts of school psychologists or counselors. You don't need a wellness coordinator. I was a wellness coordinator for my building, but I was a school teacher. Did I make any extra money being the wellness coordinator? No. Was it difficult? No. It's a propaganda position. But they pay, they pay the wellness coordinator in this school district where I live. It's one woman. You've heard me mention her before. She, she makes upwards of $50,000 a year. That's absurd. She makes more than I made as, when I taught school. So you don't need these positions, but they think that they need them. And the left, as we know, loves big government. They love control, and they love wasting money. That's the American K-12 school system in a nutshell. And they're going broke. And we need to let them go broke. We have to, because then they'll cease to exist. And then greener pastures on the other side, if you know what I mean. Bluer skies. So there you go. Wasteful spending in American K-12 schools. Please go check that out at the American Classroom Substack. And uh, yeah, this is also kind of funny too. 
wanted to mention this. Uh, the amazing educator in Louisiana who's contributed to the show and been a guest on the show sent me, uh, told me about the uh, Substack app that you can download on your phone. And she said that uh, she listens to my articles um, in, in their audio option of the app, which again, I was resisting getting the app, but it's actually really interesting. And it sounds, my Substack articles sound really serious. I mean, super serious when you have a robot female voice talking to you and reading the entire thing. Uh, it's intense. Of course, the downside is you can't see any of the pictures, you can't see any of the charts, and you can't read any of the documents that I, that I include in there. But either way, uh, it's it's super cool, I think, and uh, yeah, it's a bit weird having a robot read it to you, but yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, let me get into this here. Lots of stuff again. First of all, the Title IX thing. So here's the update on that. Uh, it did not pass. The resolution, uh, well, I'll just read it right here. My apologies. Uh, Columbus Dispatch, Ohio State Board of Education votes against. Biden-supported LGBTQ protections in Title IX. Yay, victory. Now, what does this mean? Well, they took some of the words out, some of the wording out that apparently some people thought was offensive. I mean, these people are brain dead. But um, it basically means that boys have to play boy sports, girls have to play girl sports, and there's no sharing of bathrooms or locker rooms just because you want to play pretend or you want to cut your genitals off. So that's a good thing. Of course, you know, the, the massive minority, the less than 1% who, who want to play uh, pretend gender and play that game, they, of course, feel disenfranchised, don't care. I don't think anybody cares. Um, let me just read through a little bit of this here, though, because, again, the battle's going to continue here. And when these whack jobs lose a battle, uh, they scream, they yell, they shout, and then they demand other things. What's interesting, of course, is this is more ammunition for the citizens of an area because now they get to hold these school districts accountable if they break this law, if they start to reintroduce, you know, different genders into different sports and do all of that mixing around, well, then the public is going to go, go crazy, and rightfully so. It says the following, it says, after months of debate and hundreds of personal testimonies, Ohio State's Board of Education voted 10 to 7, close vote, but 10 to 7 Tuesday to push back against the Biden administration's plan to add LGBTQ protections to Title IX. It says, but a lot of the resolution's original and arguably most controversial language was stripped out. Um, one of the sentences, unfortunately, was this, that was removed was the sentence that says, quote, denying the reality of biological sex destroys foundational truths upon which education rests. And that they removed the sentence, sex is not arbitrarily assigned at birth. Both of those are factual statements, and they removed them from apparently this letter that's now going to go out to every single school district from the state superintendent, and there you go. But Keep an eye on things like this in the states where you live because this is going to get messy. And there are going to be state boards of education, we can pick the states probably right now, who are going to go along with the Biden administration's fake administration, of course, because he's not the president. But uh, they're going to go along with all of this. I mean, they're, they're just going to, they're going to agree with it 100%. And uh, they want... 
the, the, the gender mixing within sports and within bathrooms and everything else because it creates chaos and that's what they love. They love chaos, which brings me to this. This is from the Gateway Pundit just today. Transgender teen charged with violently assaulting two female students in an Oklahoma high school bathroom. You see, this is the kind of stuff that they're inviting. That's it. They're inviting this on a constant basis, and they think that this isn't going to happen to them. See, there used to be a time in the education profession where schools wanted to avoid all controversy whatsoever, let alone the opportunity for any controversy whatsoever. They they didn't even want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. If you were engaging in something that might draw attention to your school in a bad light, they would run away from it as soon as possible. Not so anymore, which should prove to everybody that the entire education apparatus has been taken over. That's why all of this is being pushed now. It's being normalized on purpose. So just very quickly with this story, it says a transgender student in Oklahoma has been charged with allegedly violently attacking two female students in a school bathroom. The incident took place at Edmond Memorial High School in Edmond. Uh, Redo, or Redux, obtained a copy of the police report dated October 26th. According to the report, a trans-identified male student was handed a juvenile summons After two female students were left with injuries following a fight, he had reportedly initiated with them in the women's washroom. When police arrived at the school at approximately 8 a.m., a female student was in the nurse's office with injuries to her face and head. Uh, yeah. It just continues again. The victim's friend said that he'd been in the washroom at the time, witnessed the incident, and they were pleading with the person to stop the assault. Uh, One of the other female students attempted to intervene and was punched twice in the left side of the face by the assailant, blah, 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 blah. It's the same old story, same old stuff. Again, these kinds of perversions are an abomination. And the people that allow them, ladies and gentlemen, the people that allow them are pedophiles. It's that simple. The people who promote this are pedophiles. There is no normalization of it. There's no other rationalization for it. They are pedophiles. They should be called pedophiles. That's how they should be identified from here on out. That's my two cents anyway. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Um, Here's the next one. Again, this falls in line with the money aspect. So I'm kind of shifting back now to the basis of the Substack article that I recently wrote. This is from Fox News, my apologies, faux news. It says, exclusive liberal foundations funnel millions to red states for woke school programs. Parents demand change. It's an excellent headline because, again, it it brings up exactly what I mentioned in the Substack article, which is, this was what that CARES Act money was for. All of this was part of, again, a giant scheme, and the scheme was crystal clear. We're going to shut down the schools. We're going to give you a boatload of money. You've got to spend it on this. Please spend it on new things. And oh, by the way, if you happen to be a degenerate that runs one of these school districts or runs one of these buildings, spend it on degenerate stuff. That's, that, that was the purpose. That was the plan. Um, the subtitle here, Parents Group Team Up After Learning That Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and Others Were Bankrolling Race-Based Initiatives in Public Schools. Yes, they certainly were. 
Um, let me play this audio here. It's about five minutes long. Here we go. We actually moved to Palm Beach County for the 10 rated schools in our neighborhood. We actually bought our house based on that number. Everything hinged on where our kids are going to go to school. We have four children, three of whom are in the elementary setting. So um, it's just really important to us. And I'm just uncomfortable with a lot of the topics being taught. I have pulled my own children out of school. So we now go to a Christian school by choice. Where have the core academics gone and how can we get that back? Why does their emotional regulation need to be taught from step one to step 10? You know, what is, do they assume that we're not doing that as a family? You just wonder kind of what's behind it. So we do this by reading them books uh, daily. You're constantly being told that there's not enough money in our school system. Yet we find out that not only are all these things taking place um, in our school system with our tax dollars, diverting money that should be spent on classrooms, on learning, on programming, um, but there's also a lot of outside money coming in. We did a deep dive into five foundations that were funding public schools. The Gates Foundation, obviously related to Bill Gates, they prioritize equity and DEI, and in their giving, they apply an intersectional gender lens to their strategies and investments. The Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, obviously related to Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook slash Meta, they focus on giving to dismantle systemic racism and inequality and help schools develop anti-racist educational environments. Um, the Wallace Foundation, which is one that a lot of people are not aware of, um, they're giving folks, uh, focuses on fostering equity, primarily through social-emotional learning programs. The Kellogg Foundation, related to the cereal, they, are, they have a commitment to advancing racial equity and racial healing. And the Windward Fund, which is related to Arabella Advisors, one of the notorious, massive dark money organizations of the left, uses a race, equity, diversity, and inclusiveness commitment to advance their giving. So between 2017 and 2021, um, we reviewed 990s from all these foundations, and we found that um, there was over $200 million between the five foundations that had been spent in 72 school districts across the country. The biggest concern for moms and dads on the ground is the fact that the money wasn't focused on promoting and improving academic achievement, but again, was really focused on affecting student behavior and professional development for teachers, and oftentimes putting a focus on equity or equitable grading when parents were really looking for merit-based standards. This is not just happening in big cities. It's not just happening in blue states. It's happening in red states. It's happening in small cities. And the volume of spending that's happening is really, it's astonishing. The two biggest grants or the two biggest recipients of this funding that we found were in Battle Creek, Michigan. They received $31.2 million and Denver, which received $13.4 million. Palm Beach County received a total of $7 million over the past several years. They got massive grants on social emotional learning from the Wallace Foundation. You know, some of the time was being, you know, just being wasted on a lot of topics that we, we discuss at home and we work on those things as a family. Specifically, critical race theory was slowly seeping into the classrooms. The social emotional learning was a problem for me. A number of these programs, equity, social emotional learning, are actually being used to push a lot of identity-based programming that parents are deeply uncomfortable with because it conflicts with their values. Every hour that's being diverted from reading, writing, and arithmetic, and being spent on social-emotional learning programs, feelings, bullying, is time that's not being spent in making up learning loss. Our scores are going down, so these programs are not working. A lot of these, this content is being introduced at very young ages. And so when you have a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, and 
first grade, second grade, being taught about systems of oppression. That's a really complex theory. And it's something that children can't wrap their heads around. I mean, in many cases, these kids are still trying to learn their ABCs. And now they're being told to, that they must integrate pronouns into things. Well, they don't know what a pronoun is. They're still learning to read and write. We worked with um, 26 other parental rights organizations from across the country, coast to coast, um, asking these foundations to cease their giving on these equity-focused initiatives. Because um, we believe that um, although they might be well-intentioned, um, the underlying message that some of these programs have are detrimental to student learning, to student mental health, um, and end up distracting from student achievement. The goal of the letters that are going to the foundations is to acknowledge that we all want children to do well in school. We'd like to talk to you about how you're spending that money, how schools are being forced to spend that money. We, again, as parents, would like to see the focus put back on academic achievement, where our children are given, being given practicable skills. And we believe that this money that's going into the school districts from these philanthropic organizations could be put to better use. So we hope that governors and other elected officials who are focused on education, who are focused on academic outcomes out of their schools, take a hard look about on how their schools are receiving money from outside organizations. The public school system is there to provide an academic foundation for our students, and they're severely lacking. And they're failing because the money's being spent on, you know, emotional training, things like this. Excellent audio, I thought. Again, very interesting stories. I'm not sure I'd buy a house based on the schools and then send my kids to those schools and then, you know, be pleasantly surprised that they're garbage. But at the exact same time, just in summary, the CARES Act money was all about, again, that infiltration of all of that degenerate stuff entering these schools. Yes, it's always been there in piecemeal over the course of the last 20 some odd years. And even further back than that, because again, as you've heard me say on this show, back in the 1950s, there were actual congressmen and women who were, or congressmen specifically, I suppose, who were uh, warning individuals about all of this and saying social emotional learning is going to become a thing and it's not good. Uh, all the critical theories are going to be coming out in the future and you need to keep an eye on this. That's not good. And of course, they're highlighted in the book. The Leipzig Connection, which you've probably heard me reference on this show here numerous times. They talk about it in there also. So, again, money is the name of the game. Wasteful spending is the name of the game. And it's the enemy that's throwing money at this in order to get their policies and procedures in place. And then again, they purposefully implant the degenerates that they want to teach those particular programs and policies and classes in there. And then it's game over. Uh, the other thing, of course, which, which you heard them mention was the professional development. And th this, too, is hands down one of the major reasons why educators leave the profession is because prof the, the professional development that is provided is garbage. Nine times out of ten, it's complete shit. And I highlighted this in my own dissertation and proved it, that it actually makes the entire working environment worse and less safe even when the professional development is specifically targeting or attempting to target, so they think, conflict and violence within schools, that it doesn't work. It actually has the exact opposite effect on not just the students and the teachers, but again, the entire working environment among the adults. Lowers morale, increases anger, 
a, a plethora of other things and emotions. It increases the turnover rate, et cetera, et cetera. So that's not going to get better with time. It's going to get worse because, again, these people have orders and they are following them. Um, here's the next thing, which, again, is perfectly in line with what's going on. Uh, problem, action, you know, reaction kind of thing. This was tossed to me by a family member in Missouri. Comes from Fox 2 Now. National test scores show decline in math reading for Missouri students. Again, listen to what they, uh, they propose as their solutions and why this is all happening. And yes, if you, if you guessed the word pandemic was going to be blamed, pat yourself on the back because you're 100% right. Here is that audio in three, two, one. About student test scores. The nation's report card shows the average reading and math scores of Missouri students decreased significantly since before the pandemic. Our Missouri Chief Capital Bureau reporter Emily Manley is live in Jefferson City tonight to explain how the State Board of Education wants to stop this decline. Emily? Well, Mandy, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education says it normally doesn't bring this report from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, better known as NAEP, to the State Board of Education. But because of this unprecedented situation, they felt like members need to know how Missouri compares. We've never seen anything like this. It's no surprise that the pandemic affected students' learning after doors were closed and students were forced to learn online. NAEP scores have been historically flat for two decades, right? Uh, This is the first time we've seen this kind of decline. The state's education department presented Missouri's results to the State Board of Education Tuesday, showing a decrease in fourth and eighth grade math and reading. We've never seen drops like this before. They're very historic and significant. But it's not just the show me state. Missouri, along with the nation, saw some very steep declines in the uh, assessment from 2019 to 2022. Missouri's average score for fourth grade math was 232, eight points lower than in 2019. Fourth grade reading, 213, compared to 2019 when it was 238. For eighth grade math, Missouri averaged a score of 272, but in 2019, it was 281. Eighth grade reading, 258. Three years ago, it was 263. The states that tend to do better and what they pay teachers and the budget, because my guess is Missouri is one of the lowest in both of those categories. With more than 30 states ahead of Missouri, the State Board of Education wants data to see what others are doing. But the state's top educator warns with a triple-demic, Missouri needs to have a plan to make sure scores increase. We are still having chronic absenteeism issues because people are sick again. We still have, we have the flu, we have RSV, we still have COVID. So we need to do whatever we can to make sure we're keeping our classroom doors open, to make sure we're keeping education accessible. Now, two of Missouri's bordering states, Illinois and Iowa, still saw a decline, but they did score higher than the national average. The board members did ask the department to have data and research from those other states to them by March. Reporting live tonight from Missouri State Capitol Bureau in Jefferson City, I'm Emily Manley, Fox 2 News. I'm starting to sound like a broken record on this particular issue, so my apologies. The pandemic didn't cause anything when it came to lowered learning. That's a familial problem that has to do with a breakdown of the family. 
has to do with a lack of discipline, a lack of motivation. That's uh, these are personal characteristics of individuals and smaller groups. It has nothing to do with a pandemic because the pandemic didn't exist. It's fake. Never happened. The only pandemic throughout this entire time was stupidity. That's all. If if reading scores were going down, that's because children just were choosing to not read. That's all. And maybe they don't like the tests, and maybe they don't take the tests seriously, and it's a thousand other things. It's just the excuses bus that gets backed up every single time one of these bureaucrats opens up their mouths and starts talking about all of the all of the reasons why things are the way that they are. You've heard me say they never, ever, ever hold a mirror up to their face and look into it and go, you know what, maybe we're the problem. Maybe we're pushing things that don't exist. Maybe we should stop doing that. But they'll never do that. In fact, the proof of them never, ever being able to do that was in that audio clip right there. She openly stated, the, the, the board president there, openly stated that they have COVID, flu, and RSV, and all the variants are back, and people are out ill, and the absentee uh, you know, levels are remarkably high. But no one's wearing masks. Isn't that funny? So if everybody's ill, why don't you reinstitute the mask wearing if the masks worked? Oh, I get it. So the masks don't work. The shots don't work. You're not saying that, but you're just going to keep blaming invisible things that don't exist. Got it. You see, it's crumbling. The entire thing is going to cease to exist because they're lying to themselves because they believe things that aren't real. If a person, again, lies to themselves and tells themselves that they are a perfect house builder, and people tell that person that they're a house builder when in fact they aren't. But they continuously tell themselves, I can build houses. I can build the best houses. I know exactly how to build a house. Uh, I know exactly what I'm doing. And then that person tells other people those same things that they are a house builder and they know how to build homes. They end up hiring people who either really know how to build a house or they hire people who also say they know how to build a house when in fact they don't. Point being, whatever house they build is going to crumble to the ground because they really don't know what they're doing and they don't know what's causing all of their problems. This is the education system in a nutshell. It's filled with lies. The boat is sinking, the rats are leaving, and there are people quite literally going down with the ship because they think that they can right the ship. They can't. It's crumbling permanently. You've heard me say it will cease to exist in the future. I believe that it will. If not for all of those reasons, again, there's more sexual degeneracy, of course, on a constant basis, you name it. But homeschooling is the only way forward here. It's the only way forward. Here's another one. Again, you know, you got to hand it to them. These predators, they know exactly where to go because it's ripe picking, so to speak, in American K-12 schools. This is from The Blaze, titled, It's Grooming, 
High school coach accused of soliciting nude photos from underage girls and paying them up to $75 per picture. This is a young guy uh, soliciting photos from 15 to 16-year-olds, and he was apparently a high school security guard and a part-time basketball coach. Not going to read any more into it. He's been arrested. He's been fired. He's gone. Probably going to be charged with crimes because, of course, these are sexual crimes involving minors, and there you have it. But again, it's these kinds of environments that invite in the predators because there's so much to prey on, and they know that, which is why they go there. So, yeah. And again, the people who run these districts aren't free from that either, which brings me to this next story. This was just tossed my way also. Absolutely ridiculous. This is from the Daily Mail, quote, California board president who rubbed shoulders with Kamala Harris resigns after inviting students to his gay adult party where there were, where they were piled with, or supplied, I think it meant to say, uh, with drinks and half-naked men in elf hats and ogled by Dirty Santa. Uh, let's listen to this audio, because this is hilarious. Dirty Santa, shirtless men, and alcohol is what one parent says his teenage daughter was exposed to during an educator's private holiday party. They were offered an open bar and to socialize with the half-naked men, the Dirty Santa that offered and made disgusting comments to our children. Gabriel Lozano's daughter is one of more than a dozen high school choir students who were hired to perform at the December 3rd party, hosted by Claremont Unified School Board President Stephen Lanusa. Lozano says the students were told to arrive early, but that's when the night took an unexpected turn. Lanusa included to mingle with these people. Police now investigating the incident and confirming to NBC News they are looking into this photo of half-naked men allegedly posing with adults at that party that has been circulated by parents. Were any other school board members present? At a special session of the Claremont Unified School Board on Friday, where Lanusa was noticeably absent, parents called for his resignation. Sadly, there is no apology that can help our kids unsee or unfeel the events that took place in his home. In an email sent to parents obtained by NBC Los Angeles, the Claremont School District's superintendent confirmed Lanusa has stepped down. It comes shortly after his fellow board members also encouraged him to resign, writing in a statement, we are appalled by the allegations which are understandably causing distraction, disruption, and pain. A pain parents are not over yet. The board is now working to decide how to replace him. Dana Griffin, NBC News. I just love the way <laughs> that they start off these stories. Aren't they hilarious? Dirty Santa. Dirty Santa. I mean, it's just, it's too funny. It's too funny. And of course, and Cicely from New Mexico was the one who tossed me this story, and she asked the simple question, um, what? parent sends their children to a school employee or a board member's house for a party, or for anything for that matter. What the hell is wrong with these parents? Oh, the board president is having children over to his, uh, to his house? What could possibly go wrong? What school employee opens up their homes to children? Predators, ladies and gentlemen. Predators. Sexual predators. 
That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Well, they seem friendly and, uh, you know, trust. I trust the people that work in a school district, said nobody ever. <laughs> but hey, you know, shirtless dudes and alcohol, why not? Honest to God. Honest to God. Not to mention, you know, how do you, how do you, how do we replace a board president? Uh, we're looking for somebody to fill in and, and take the position. How about you just not have a person in that useless position in the first place? How about that? Just do away with it. You could hire a bag of sand and it would be equally as effective. In fact, it would be more effective in his case because the bag of sand can't engage in a sexual crime. It's just a bag of sand. So there you have it. A bag of sand is quite literally better as a board president than that guy. And of course, birds of a feather flock together, do they not? Rubbing shoulders with Kamala Harris, all these sexual predators and the people who are friends with sexual predators. I mean, ask yourself this question too. How many friends do you have who are sexual predators? I don't have any. <laughs> but it sure seems like the left has an awful lot, doesn't it? Weird. It's so weird. It's like the old memes of, uh, you know, how, uh, regarding Hillary Clinton. How many friends do you have that have miraculously killed themselves? Because she has a lot. It's almost like they're being murdered by her. Or people she knows. Yikes. Absolute yikes. Okay. Shifting gears here. Um, I've got a few other things to mention. Of course, there's plenty going on in the world. Just very quickly, geopolitically, um, Brazil is continuing to blow up and the military is uh, allegedly trying to partner with the people and the people with the military and all of that. Um, let's see. Peru. I saw video footage from Peru. A lot of uh, soldiers marching in the streets in Peru is, of course, they've arrested that that president, prime minister, whatever the hell you want to call him. Uh, there's just a ton going on, ladies and gentlemen, geopolitically. And, of course, we need to continue to observe this and keep an eye on it. I want to shift uh, gears here, though, to a few things, both recent and from the past. First, I want to start off again with Dr. Simone Gold, everybody. The uh, the favorite piñata of mine turning out to be one of the favorite piñatas, and why not? Uh, she's the gift that keeps on giving. So apparently, back in December 7th, or on December 7th, a Fort Myers judge tossed out a lawsuit, as it says here on the America's Frontline Doctors website, filed by rogue lawyer, as they decide to characterize uh, this guy, against Dr. Simone Gold as president of AFLDS. So the rogue lawyer, as they're characterizing him, even though they hired him, uh, Joseph Gilbert. Apparently, this was a defamation lawsuit. So I'm going to read the statement here. Uh, my apologies, from December 6th. Um, it just has to do with defamation. It doesn't have anything to do with the auditing that's taking place regarding America's frontline doctors and Simone Gold, not to mention um, this was a jurisdiction thing. So this can apparently still be filed in another court in Arizona, which is where America's Frontline Doctors is apparently located, but this was filed in a Florida court because that's close to where Dr. Simone Gold lives, apparently. 
Either way, um, I've got some questions too with this. If if people for America's frontline doctors have come out and said that Simone Gold is no longer on their board, why is it that Simone Gold's, again, press releases and face and videos are all over the America's frontline doctors.org website? I don't get it. Has she hijacked the whole thing? Has she just made it her own? Um, is she paying the person who runs the website to just hijack it from people who are really affiliated with AFLDS? But um, I, I, I don't know. The whole thing is weird. All of this is just weird and, and getting more weird. Um, here's what the statement reads. It says, quote, court grants Dr. Gold motion to dismiss a def- uh, defamatory lawsuit, rather, citing failure to meet burden of proof. Fort Myers, Florida. My old stomping grounds down there. It says, uh, quote, a federal judge issued a 13-page ruling today granting Dr. Simone Gold's motion to dismiss a widely accusatory lawsuit brought by rogue attorney. Why are they rogue attorneys? Now they're a rogue attorney. What, what does that even mean? He's an actual attorney. Um, and now disgraced former America's Frontline Doctors director, Joey, uh, Joseph Joey Gilbert. That seems like defamation, doesn't it? When you call them rogue and disgraced? Weird. Since the lawsuit failed on several jurisdi- uh, jurisdictional points, rather, with the judge declaring, quote, plaintiffs failed to provide enough information to reach their burden of proof in meeting the required elements. Today's dismissal in federal court is a substantial step in exonerating Gilbert's fraud or exposing it, rather, exposing Gilbert's fraud and exonerating Gold's continued sacrificial efforts in leading AFLDS to champion medical freedom and civil liberties. I'm going to leave it at that. Not going to read the rest of the statement. Uh, she just, it's self-congratulatory, patting herself on the back. I'm a hero. I'm a hero. I would never do anything bad. Um, with that said, that leads me, leads me to this. You heard me play the audio previously, I believe I did on my show, of Renette Sunum. And Renette Sunum has a substack called Renette Sunum's Foghorn Express. This was from back on December 3rd, where she wrote an article titled, America's Frontline Doctors, All Roads Point to Israel. Big money, hidden agendas, obfuscation, I hate that word, um, and many disconcerting ties to AFLDS's Dr. Simone Gold. It's a lengthy article. It's very, very interesting and super hanky. Um, I'm going to link it in the description below if you haven't read it. I know AJ Gochik has read it. We were talking about that the other day. Um, I'm sure some other people have read it, of course. But this is, it's bizarre. Very bizarre. She uh, she either is is a puppet and is being handled by countless individuals for a variety of different reasons. Um, but yeah, one of the main hooks in it also is that if you thought that AFLDS was this organic grassroots thing, it is far from it. This was coordinated. This was planned. It was designed to be a money maker. It was designed to again. Have people donate to them constantly. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And it's, I'll, I'll tell you something too. I said this on Gab. 
I even posted a picture of it, which proves my point that Simone Gold is a liar. Um, you've heard her story consistently where she has, of course, said, and I've played the audio on this show, where she has said time and time again, which was clearly legal advice given to her uh, before she went to jail, was that she needs to start telling the public that she was pushed into the Capitol building and there was nowhere for her to go and it was quite accidental and whatever. I have a picture on my Gab account of her and her uh, mostly naked, semi-gay, allegedly uh, live-in boyfriend, John Strand, where John Strand is recording the entire thing, egging on the group as Simone Gold is holding on to and yelling into a bullhorn, giving her speech inside of the Capitol building. And I simply said on Gab, does this look like a person who was accidentally pushed in against her will because the crowd was so big that she just miraculously found her way into the Capitol building? Give me a break. She knew exactly what she was doing. She's being handled. She's being groomed. Um, and she herself is nefarious, to say the least, in my humble opinion. Allegedly, allegedly. Uh, it's just odd. Again, the money that's changing hands here is disgusting. It's beyond disgusting, but Renette dives face first into it, and um, it's incredible. So I will link that article in the description below. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. But I think that the auditing of Dr. Gold, Simone, and uh, AFLDS continues because, again, apparently they had a an independent auditor come in to see exactly where all the money is going. And of course, she's living in a multi-million dollar mansion. And yeah, all of that is brought up uh, in the article that uh, Renette Sunum wrote. So there you go. Okay. I want to play this audio now. And this is from Dr. Ryan Cole, who again is finding himself on lots of podcasts and lots of shows, once affiliated with um, uh, America's Frontline Doctors. I was in the same room with him at one point. Uh, I considered introducing myself and actually having him on my show back during that White Coat Summit thing. But I remember sitting there and we were quite literally sitting on opposite sides of the room. I was in the back left corner, and he was quite literally in the back right corner of the main room, wearing his cowboy boots and whatever. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I looked over at him, and I thought to myself, he's by himself right now. He's in the back of the room. He's taking the whole thing in like I am. Uh, I wonder if he knows the larger agenda. I wonder if he knows this is a depopulation agenda. This is a murder weapon. I wonder if he knows all of that. It was pretty evident that he didn't at the time. Uh, you have to keep something in mind, too, with Dr. Ryan Cole. He, he thinks viruses are real. He gets a little nervous when he hears about terrain theory, okay? Um, I would even go so far, again, terrain theory is, is real, that your body is a terrain, and if you poison the terrain, you become poisoned, immune compromised, and then, of course, your life is shortened. That's pretty much common sense. I don't know why that's a theory. Uh, but he's a, you know, he believes viruses are real. He believes variants are real. They are not. There's just poison. And then your cells, as you've heard me say a gazillion times on this show, become poisoned. They look abnormal and then you become ill. 
Uh, I want to play this audio from him back in September. He's on a stage with a number of people giving a presentation, and Dr. Bhakti is sitting to his left. And I just want to I, I want to play this and, and uh, have you hear what he says, because again, I, I, I don't think he gets it yet. Again, this was back in September, so I don't know if he's changed his opinion as of late, but again, he's finding himself sitting next to senators like Senator Ron Johnson. And, um, you know, he's saying good things, but we're not quite there yet on the full story. So give this audio a listen. Again, this was him back in September of this year. Where a lot of people dodged a bullet and a potential harm is when people lined up in stadiums or outside and had these vaccination clinics, these vials weren't kept cold, and those fats turned into a glob of mush and the RNA broke down into nothing. So you got a shot of mush, which you're lucky, very lucky, because it wasn't kept cold. And so the other thing, too, is each vial from different lots is not the same concentration. When you stir lipid nanoparticles, polyethylene glycol, and mRNA sequences, you can't agitate it quickly. But when that happens, the lipids kind of float to the top. Now you have thousands of vials going across an assembly line, you know, you know, spitting out the content. And the first couple thousand vials get a very dilute solution. You're not getting a lot of dose of mRNA or, or lipid. But then at the end of the batch, now you have some very concentrated lipid and mRNA. So in each manufacturing run of this very poor manufacturing process, which has lots of debris and lots of vials and all these heebie-jeebies and creepy things, are mostly manufacturing debris. And that's, again, what some of the mass spec we've looked at has shown. You know, it's from stainless steel vats. It's from aluminum seals. It's from gaskets, et cetera. It's from crushed glass. A good manufacturing process in a drug development um, process takes years, like five, six, seven, eight, nine years, until you have a product pure enough that you can repeat every single time that it comes off the line that it's the same thing. You saw in that early European medicine agency last year, 50% pure. It's supposed to be a 99 plus percent pure product. That tells you everything you need to know right there. As a pathologist, having looked at a lot of these, the more we look at, it's bad manufacturing. But a lot of people are lucky because of that. So again, he's stating, in his opinion, that there are people who took these shots and have not gotten ill or have not gotten injured. I have yet to meet those people because everybody that I know who took these shots, they've gotten sick, very sick, after taking the shots a year after they took the shots, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know who these people are or where they are who took at least two doses and are fine. Um, again, there's individuals that took these doses and think they're fine. They're not fine, but they think that they are. So that's kind of the first thing. The second thing you know, he says you got a vial of mush because it wasn't kept at the particular temperature and it broke down the mRNA because it has to be kept at a particular temperature and it's a vial of mush and all you got was a shot of mush. Mush is not a medical term. There are endless poisons in these shots. There are also countless articles and testimonies of individuals who have looked at them and claimed that they aren't finding any mRNA. So who is right? 
Again, the message is all over the place, but the, but the simple facts remain that. They remain simple facts. If you were injected with this, it has hurt you, period. The level of severity, I think, is clearly depending. Some people are dropping over the moment they take it, and then others are finding out that they have a permanently compromised immune system. Some people are melting from the inside out, and some people are having a blood clot uh, you know, or a, a limb amputated. It, it depends on the individual human body. I, I don't think there's any doubting that. But chalking it up to a manufacturing issue, that it was bad manufacturing, quote unquote, that's missing the larger point. It was purposefully designed to kill. That's the larger point here. It is not effective when it comes to preventing anything, because most vaccines aren't, if not all of them. Again, I'm going to stick with, you know, there's, this is the interesting part about this, I think. There are nuggets of truth in almost everything these people are saying. Again, these are well-intended humans. I have no reason to believe that they aren't. Malone's a little fishy because he used to work for the Department of Defense, I believe, and uh, he's the one who's been playing with this mRNA in a lab when the lights go out. And I think that's uh, I think that's jacked up because again he thinks viruses are real. He has to believe that, and because all his eggs are in that basket. Um, this is this is where Dr. Mike Yeadon separates himself from the herd here in, in a good way. Dr. Mike Yeadon has learned, I believe, that viruses are not real; that there's no such thing. He, of course, being the ex vice president of Pfizer. He's well aware of, of the truth of the matter. Um, it's, just, it's just odd because, again, you take someone like Dr. Mikovits, who believes viruses are real, but then she'll drop this truth bomb on you where she will openly say there's no such thing as a safe vaccine. And when asked the question, as she has been asked publicly at conferences, one in particular that I remember, she was asked point blank, again, are, is there anything safe in any vaccine or any such thing as a safe vaccine? And the answer she said was no. And then she was asked, do you recommend anybody take any vaccines of any kind? Her answer, no. Perfect. Go with that then. Go with that. Because that's the safest approach. Don't inject yourself with anything. But again, chalking it up to a manufacturing flaw no, it was an intentional. And chalking it up to, well, you just got goo in you, so you got lucky. Bullshit. There's more to this than, than what he knows. This is a depopulation agenda. That, that was the agenda. That was the point. Get as, trick as many people into believing that they need it, which they didn't. No one needed it. And then we'll give it to them because they'll clamor for it and we'll make them want to clamor for it. Then they'll take it. And then we'll have them right where we want them, which is sick, ill, giving us their money, and then game over. So that's kind of my two cents on that. Um, I, I don't know what else I can add, really. I, I, I find that explanation to be odd, a bit odd, because, again, they're still injecting themselves with poison. In fact, on the expose, they have an article that's, again, specifically diving into what's in the shots. And there are numerous people looking at it and have been looking at it for quite some time. This one is uh, by Ron, uh, Rhoda Wilson, 
and it's titled, There's Microcircuitry Inside COVID Injections, Says Australian Doctor. Again, you're not hearing the Malones, the Golds, the McCulloughs, the Coles. You're not hearing these doctors say this. You're not hearing them use the phrase nanoparticle or any of that. You're not hearing them talk about how magnets were being stuck to people at the beginning of this. Remember that? Remember when that was happening and that was a thing? I wonder if that's still happening. It has to be. You know, just walk up to a random person who's been double or triple jabbed and throw a magnet at them and see what happens. I I don't know. But there's a lot. There's just a ton here. Um, Again, this particular article just very quickly says this. And there's a lot of audio clips. I'm not going to play them. But again, it's on the expose. It says, again, Australian general practitioner Dr. David Nixon joined Iconic to briefly discuss what he has found in COVID injections. He believes the objects he has seen under the microscope after consulting with others are components of micro-circuitry. says, samples of COVID injections are not easily obtainable, but Dr. Nixon has managed to obtain four Pfizer COVID vaccine vials and place samples of them under the microscope. The four vials were from the same manufacturing batch. Although he has only managed to examine four vials, his findings are similar to those of La Quinta Columna, Columna, if I'm saying that right, and other researchers around the world. Uh, Further reading, again, a lot of of links here, and and there you have it. But um, yeah, poison. It's it's uh, It's not a pile of mush. That's not a pile of mush. That's not some pile of goo. That's serious shit. And that's in people. That's a fact. So Ryan Cole, again, you know, bless his heart, uh, but he can't be that flippant about such a serious thing. Consider yourself lucky, because if you got it when you were outside and the, and the jabs were warm, well, you didn't get anything. That's, that's not true. Plenty of those people are dead. They got something. And it's not, it's not good. Fortunately, however, and this is a good thing, is that public opinion is shifting regarding a lot of this. And Rasmussen, I wanted to mention this, I know there's lots of Substack articles about this specifically, but Rasmussen Reports did a survey with a great deal of people. I want to say, I mean, it was in the tens of thousands, uh, if not more than that. Uh, My my apologies. Well, here's a thousand U.S. adults. One thousand. Okay, that's the number. Um, I've just got some statistics to read here, and one of the charts that they highlight from the data they collected, it says, survey of 1,000 U.S. adults conducted on November th- from November 30th of this year through December 1st of this year, with a plus or minus 3% uh, shift. This particular first chart says, how concerned are you that COVID-19 vaccines may have major side effects? Very concerned were 31%, somewhat concerned, 26%, not sure, a very small percentage, 22%, not very concerned, and 18%, not at all. And then they have it broken down by Republican, Independent, and Democrat. As you would expect, Republicans and Independents 
make up the vast majority of people who are very concerned, whereas only 21% of Democrats are very concerned. 22% of them are somewhat concerned. Point being, the, the majority, for the most part, are concerned, either somewhat or very concerned, as they should be, because they're starting to connect the dots. Um, here's another one. Survey of 1,000 U.S. adults conducted, again, between November 30th and December 1st of this year. Self-reported vaccination rate. The percentage of particular age groups and demographics and whether or not they're vaccinated, according to themselves. 65-year-old and plus 87% vaccinated. Uh, those making $200,000 or more per year, 86% vaccinated. 83% vaccinated are claiming to be Democrats. Those making $100,000 to $200,000 a year, 78% vaccinated. Men over 40, 78% vaccinated. People who are married, 75% vaccinated. Of course, it's not a vaccine, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, Hispanic, 74% vaccinated, and men, 73% vaccinated. It continues. Women under 40, 51% vaccinated. 18 to 39-year-olds, 56% vaccinated. Independents, registered independents, 58% vaccinated. Blacks, 58% vaccinated, under $30,000 per year making that amount, 58% vaccinated, and those not married, 62% vaccinated. Um, here's one more. How effective are COVID-19 vaccines at preventing infection with the virus? The vaccinated said very effective, 94%, somewhat effective, 84%. Not very effective, 53%, and not at all effective, 30%. That, that was among the vaccinated stated, that, uh, stated those the results. Among the non-vaccinated, 6% said that it was very effective. 16% um, said somewhat effective. 45% said not very effective and not at all effective. 66% of the unvaccinated said that it's not effective. Serious difference between what people think regarding those, you know, among those that are vaccinated and not. And then the next one and final one says, how concerned are you that COVID-19 vaccines may have major side effects? As you would expect, among the vaccinated, uh, 44% are very concerned, 69% are somewhat concerned, 86% of the vaccinated say, said that they are not very concerned, and 90% said not at all concerned. The cognitive dissonance, ladies and gentlemen. It's kicked into fifth gear and the nitrous tanks are on full. But among the unvaccinated, 53% are very, 53 are very concerned, 30% are somewhat concerned, 13% are not very concerned, and 10% are not at all concerned. So there you go. Latest statistics on what the public believes, in particular, the public who are vaccinated and the public who are not vaccinated. 
I'm going to conclude here with just two things. I want to re-reference something that slipped past me, although I threw it up on Gab a while ago, but I don't think I made mention of it on the show. I brought up the school district where my niece and nephew attend and how the treasurer was giving a presentation again about their finances. There was a particular slide that existed on her slideshow that I took a screenshot of and tossed it up on Gab. On this particular slide, on the left-hand side, it's, it's titled Challenges for Current Forecast. Then it says four bullet points, state funding, legislative changes, property tax values and collections, and federal funding. All of that is pretty standard procedure because, again, they're panicking and they're running out of money. And they're going to be spending more uh, in this upcoming year in the future. What's on the right-hand side is even more disturbing, I think. It's a picture of a child, probably some stock photo, wearing goggles and, you know, in science class with some dropper and gloves on and whatever else. A few other students looking at them as they're all standing around. The caption under the picture says the following, quote, Westerville Central High School students explored gene therapy, gene therapy, as a way to potentially treat genetic disorders as a part of a new genome editing lab involving the CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R-CAS9 system. Here's why I'm mentioning this. They're normalizing gene therapy in American K-12 schools. They're normalizing the use of, of these shots. They're normalizing the use of the mRNA we need to learn about this because this is going to be the solution to all of our problems. Ladies and gentlemen, the solution to our problems regarding all of this is to stay away from sick people, stop putting poison in your body, exercise, get plenty of sunlight, walk around barefoot, and eat good food and drink clean water. That's it. That's it. Because what's happening, unfortunately, in American K-12 schools, and it has been happening over the last two years specifically, and it will continue to happen in 2023, is the normalizing of treating human beings like guinea pigs. And the more that we can teach American K-12 students to jab their fellow peers with copious amounts of things, all of the sudden they'll become invincible. That's the lie. That's always been the quote-unquote big lie. That's the real big lie from a medical industry standpoint, is that the pharmaceutical industry, that pharmacia, the sorcery, is going to solve your problems and give you life. That is not true. The exact opposite is the truth. So it's disgusting. In fact, the treasurer attempted to read the caption that I just read, and she's like, I don't even know what any of that means. She actually said that. She goes, I, I, I don't, I, Chris, Chris, CRISPR, I, I don't know. She goes, I don't even know what, what, what this is, but it's cool, and I'm glad they're doing it, and they seem to enjoy it. <laughs> that was it. Just like, yay, we're doing things as a school. But what we don't know we're doing is brainwashing people to the point where they actually take their own lives thinking that they're helping themselves and the people around them. 2023, ladies and gentlemen, is going to get jacked up. It's going to be jacked up. 
and the winter, this upcoming winter again, soon as the year changes here, watch out. Watch out. Here's the other thing, too. I tossed this up on my gab. Uh, it was one story after another. I got on start page as a search engine, which is really an abomination. I mean, these, these search engines are getting worse. They're all turning into Google, which is awful. But I turned off the safe search option, and I selected the time frame that I wanted the search to be in, and I selected this last week. And then I typed in student dies. And then I did a search and bam, 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 bam. Endless stories of, of, again, students randomly dying. Dying suddenly. Doctors are baffled. Uh, same thing with teachers. Same thing with administrators. Superintendent dies suddenly. Leaves behind wife and children. This is happening constantly. All over the world. And again, are politicians mentioning this? Nope. Is it being brought up with any regularity on local news channels? Probably not. Are the dots being connected among those people? No. But it's being connected among us because we know what's going on. And this is going to continue to happen. So, there it is. Thanks for listening again. Uh, here's, here's, here's the plan for next week. First of all, of course, Merry Christmas. Um, my plan for next week is to have an episode on Monday and Wednesday. There will not be an episode on that Friday. And then I'll come back the next Wednesday and have an episode. So there's not going to be an episode next Friday or the following Monday, but there will be one again back on Wednesday and then that Friday following, and I'll be back in the saddle. So there you go. But stay tuned for Monday, and we'll talk then. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.